liability analysis. So those are the three new business items on our agenda. So um, I believe Yulia is going to give um, the first report, and then I believe Charlie Francis is going to do E2 and E3, which is a Southern Marine Fire District <clears throat> property tax transfer report, and then the E3 is a pension liability analysis. So, Yulia, if you're ready to give your report, that'd be great. Sure, let me share my screen really quickly. Can you see my screen? Okay. So, um, the item before you tonight, uh, today, is the uh, um, mid-year budget review. We have good news and not good news for you today. So the good news are related to the general fund. Uh, if you looked at the uh, attached memo and all the attachments, you can see that the general fund is doing quite well. We projected about 600,000 to 4% more in revenues, which is really good news comparing to what we uh, projected with adoption and uh, expenditures are also going up but the very normal margin of four percent increase or 0.7 uh, million or seven, close to 700,000 so that's also very uh, very normal uh, something that would anything under five percent would consider to be a normal increase for the year the undesignated fund balance for general fund increased by 1.6 million from uh, 1.8 million what we projected uh, at the budget adoption and now we are projecting 3.4 so it went up to 18 percent at mid-year and uh, again keep in mind that this is after factoring in all the adjustments that we uh, put before you including one-time transfers to other funds to uh, cover deficit so now what is not so good news is how the other fund revenues are doing and you will see a quite significant decrease in other funds revenues specifically parking tideland salt city hall and mlt uh, as a net decrease is it's only 1.6 million or four percent decrease but again that factors in all the transfers to other funds if you look at revenues alone it's quite a significant decrease of over a million dollars. The other fund expenditures are going up 1.2 million, 8% increase, but again, there is nothing to be alarmed here because it's pretty much due to um, public works uh, getting up on some of the previously approved uh, um, capital projects, specifically street resurfacing project that was uh, budgeted in the prior years, but we didn't, we didn't start it until the current fiscal year. And uh, the other big kind of highlight for the mid-year is that the fund balances and other unrestricted funds like Old City Hall and parking are significantly reduced. Uh, again, all of this is due to COVID-related decline in revenues, but that's something to keep in mind because we uh, this will limit our ability to use these funds for the upcoming fiscal year. And traditionally, city has been transferring funds from this uh, this funds to, to help balance the general fund. Now, just a little bit about the uh, mid-year, uh, what we do and why we do it. The 
purpose and objective of the mid-year is to analyze year-to-date revenues and expenditures uh, just to make sure that we the assumptions that we made before the budget cycle are still valid so we will update you on status of revenues and expenditures and uh, and uh, another main objective of the mid-year is to make adjustments any necessary adjustments to reflect our current economic or business condition of the city so how did we do the mid-year budget review we used the the fiscal year 2021 quarter two report and you may remember we reported it to the city council at the last council meeting so that data was uh, used as a base uh, we also went back to uh, all the way to july of the beginning of the fiscal year to capture all previously approved budget adjustments that the council already approved that might have modified the budget and uh, we did the analysis of all revenues and, and expenditures and uh, for, for this analysis we used five percent of 30,000 threshold as we considered that would be material in nature to trigger budget adjustment so now this is a big picture view of how the city is doing citywide so you can see the column in blue is adopted budget in and the column in light uh, green is a revised budget so you can see that revenues remain flat if you look at it citywide again as i already mentioned the general fund revenues are going up but other funds revenues are going down and uh, expenditures are increasing but again keep in mind that this figure includes all the transfers and uh, and also previously approved items but now in the middle if you look at the mid-year adjustments so that's what we are proposing to adjust as part of this uh, well the action tomorrow again you can see the first column on your left is the general fund the 0.6 million that's increase in, in revenues 0.7 increase in expenditures but as i mentioned already you can see the item in red on the left on the right i'm sorry these are the other funds all the other funds other than general so those are the revenues that are declining in those funds and the expenditures are going up now we can look very quickly at general fund revenues uh, again i put them side by side you can see uh, they described and detailed in the in your staff memo so I, i'm not going to repeat all of this but you can see it's pretty much good news everywhere except for other revenues and the reason for the other revenues uh, going down is mostly because of the shared services agreements that we put in place as part of budget adoption they didn't quite pan out as we planned and we had to roll back on those and uh, were not able to share stuff as we were planning to share specifically public works and uh, and admin stuff and that's another table that shows uh, uh, general fund revenues in more details again if you have any specific questions I, I believe I described all of them in, in the staff report but we can definitely go back to the slide later and uh, and discuss it now if you look at the expenditures uh, we usually track general fund expenditures by four different categories so salaries and benefits contract services materials and supply and of course uh, transfers 
uh, we are projecting a little bit of salary savings here. So roughly 200,000. So typically, as I explained in the staff report, we, we typically don't uh, build it in the mid-year adjustment, but given all the decreases in revenues, we felt it would be right thing to do this time around to, to account for this decrease uh, to offset some of the increases going in contract services and, and materials and supply. And again, I did uh, explain the expenditures increase in uh, all of these categories. We can uh, we can go, come back to this and discuss uh, specifically and uh, uh, transfers out. So those are the one-time transfers that we are proposing to uh, to include in the mid-year adjustment to cover deficit and traffic safety and uh, general liability fund. And that's again another table that uh, shows uh, the same data, just in a little bit different format. And these are the key, again, key adjustments that we are uh, proposing to make as part of the mid-year. As I already mentioned, salary savings of 200,000. Uh, the previously approved amendments, we just captured those. So those already, uh, those actions already taken by council. Uh, you can see them in attachment three to your staff memo. The net of these adjustments is about 683,000. And uh, uh, through the analysis exercise, we determined that the two other accounts uh, trigger adjustment one is legal service increase of about 228,000. And uh, well, again, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, the, the reason for this, we, we have quite a significant increase of uh, use of outside legal counsel and, uh, and the serious training cost related to uh, various claims, encampment, and all the other activities that uh, has been, have been happening uh, throughout the year. And the uh, utility budget increase of 102,000. So that is pretty much restoration of the budget. We, we were counting on generating some savings here um, at the beginning of the year. But unfortunately, we were not able to generate the savings pretty much uh, because of the Dunphy Park additional uh, water usage and sewer usage. So the budget is actually more in line with the normal um, historical uh, figures, so we pretty much uh, had to restore the budget back. And uh, the two transfers that I mentioned before, one is transferred to traffic safety fund, and uh, so tr traditionally traffic safety fund has been used for uh, repairs of traffic signals, and uh, it doesn't have a reliable source of revenues. So it's usually all the traffic fines go to this fund, but the, the issue is that we, we don't generate as much revenues as, uh, but we do generate the ongoing annual expenses. So we want to make sure that our fund is not showing deficit because that's what we reported to you at the, at the year end when we discussed CAFRA. And the similar situation is in general liability fund uh, over the last two years, we had uh, quite significant number of claims that were paid out of this fund, and uh, uh, the fund now is showing a deficit of 469,000. So we are proposing to to move this money to this fund to to cover the deficit. 
now let's talk a little bit about the budgetary reserves. Um, so the first good news, again, let me show what I wanted to point out. So you can see that uh, when we put the budget together, we were, uh, we were using a starting point as a projected beginning fund balance because the books were not closed yet. And you can see it, as you already may remember when we discussed Kafra, we ended the year at much better note than we expected. And partially it's because of, again, the revenues, uh, uh, the revenues showed the more better performance that we expected due to COVID, and uh, partially because of the delay of some of the capital improvement projects and things like that. So uh, the starting point you can see is much better than was expected, and that kind of trickles down. And uh, and uh, the second highlighted item or circled item, undesignated fund balance, is also increasing in general fund. So you can see that we were at a dangerous mark of ten percent uh, at the budget adoption, and you, we are definitely moving the right direction with eighteen percent in undesignated fund balance. And I also want to compliment all departments uh, for exercising the prudent fiscal management to kind of manage the budgets within the needs. So you can see that this budget report uh, does not include any staff requests, which is unusual because usually uh, for the mid-year departments, it's an opportunity for departments to ask for additional money for specific programs, but you don't see it this year. That's uh, this slide I, I can skip or we can we can discuss a little bit more. So it's pretty much uh, the same kind of drills down to the budgetary reserves a little bit more. So you can see this amount 10,000. So it's showing that the budget is still on track and still the net change to the budget is still showing as a, uh, as a positive number. So we, we are still balanced, which is which is again a good sign. Now, if we move to uh, other funds revenues, again, as I mentioned in highlights before, enterprise funds, well, that's where our problem is. We, the revenues are declined by 1.4 million. The majority of this, of this is a parking fund revenues, and that's a big issue for the city because we pretty much at the budget adoption now, we're pretty much de depleting the parking fund balance. And again, I just want to remind uh, you that uh, as part of the budget balancing strategy, we included additional uh, use of fund balances in parks uh, fund specifically. So now it's just what, what it tells us that we don't have this uh, bucket anymore to use, other than whatever the budget assumptions would be for the for the new fiscal year. The other, uh, the special. Special revenue funds uh, are doing fine. So we we accounted for 160 thousand uh, increase in capital improvement funds. So one hundred thousand is due to additional allocation of measure O, and sixty thousand is our donations to Southview Park. So thank you again for our generous uh, donors in the community. The 
we also recognized a little bit of well, 140,000 uh, of new revenues uh, as reimbursements from FEMA for mudslide event that was re uh, received this fiscal year as well. And uh, the internal service fund, that's our transfer that we already mentioned. So the transfer from general fund will show as a revenue to internal service fund. And there is no change in the debt service fund because it was budgeted as needed. Well, there is, there is no change in the debt service fund payments. On the expenditure side, uh, we did our best to offset some of the uh, losses and revenues by generating some savings in enterprise funds. So we accounted for uh, some of the redu reduced expenditures in parking fund as we, well, related to spending in uh, bicycle parking, including management, labor, and related fees, just to minimize this uh, impact of losses and revenues. And uh, the special revenue funds, uh, this is again, mainly because of the street, the capital project that is currently underway for the streets resurfacing specifically project. And uh, there is no change in the internal service and debt service fund. And this table just summarizes all fund balance summary for all city funds, all city funds categories. Uh, in your packets, you see more detailed breakdown for each specific fund. Uh, that's probably better scheduled to to look at, but I couldn't put it on the screen. But again, as I, as I mentioned, uh, so the, the problem to consider that the enterprise fund is showing that uh, revenues are significantly down. So that's, those fund balances are going down. So we definitely need to uh, watch for the, for the upcoming fiscal year budget. And just back to the summary again. So uh, general fund operating revenues uh, show very healthy increase given <laughs> the pandemic situation we're in and still unfolding. So we are still really within the margin of both revenues and expenditures are within 4% uh, from what was originally projected. The fund balance, uh, undesignated fund balance is going up. Uh, and uh, once again, even though the general fund is showing signs of improvement, the other funds clearly need uh, some attention for the upcoming year. That concludes my presentation, but again, we, we, I'm happy to drill down into any specifics. I have, uh, <clears throat> I have just a general question in that think um mike uh i don't know i just saw marcia drop off so i know she had a conflict but does anybody know you know we have an omit committee that looks at um that looks at leases for the city and revenues from those leases specifically i'm looking at mlk and old city hall um as well as other leases that we have do you, anybody know when the next omit committee meeting is I don't believe the OMIT committee has been scheduled for a while, you're right. 
but the leases information and all the revenue drops that I was describing primarily <clears throat> due to COVID relief programs. And no. COVID relief program has been going to cancel as part of the closed session. Okay. Um, so just to put on, I'm not on the OMIC committee meet. I believe uh, Vice Mayor Kelman is though. And so is, you're not? Uh, Councilmember Sobieski and Councilmember Boston. Oh, okay. You're right. You're right. Okay. So I think then um, it's probably time for OMIT to have a meeting um, because the way it's worked in the past is that OMIT <clears throat> reviews most of the leases. And if, you know, if we have, um, anyway, if we have people coming in and want, wanting some sort of rent relief, and we've looked at that back when I was on OMIT, and we give a recommendation to the city council on how to address that. So it might be time since we're getting up to, you know, it looks like our general fund, uh, you know, the losses and revenues from those, those types of um, leases is a threat, then I think OMIT needs to take a deeper look at it. Um, and instead of it just coming for a quick look at, at city council um, in closed session. So for direction to staff, I think it's time to schedule another OMIT committee meeting. Um, I, Vice Mayor, do you have any questions? I'm going through my notes right now. Yeah, so um, thank you, Yulia, for putting this together. I can see this took a lot of time and, and a lot of work and lots of moving parts and things changing. So I, I really appreciate all of staff's hard work and getting all the different details. Um, my comments are divided into um, things that I didn't quite track that may be um, questions for other council members tomorrow night as well that I don't necessarily expect you to have answers to, but just more of a micro questions. And then um, I do have some sort of more macro uh, questions. I'm going to start with the macro. Um, I found the list of uh, action items from uh, the February 18th meeting that we carried over to the March 9th meeting. And the thing that keeps showing up for us is cash flow management. And the mayor had asked for a review of both debt and cash management. And so um, as I read this and look at the reserve slide, uh, I would love to have a better understanding of the cash reserves and the fund monies that can be moved around between funds. So um, you, we had asked for a list of restricted, unrestricted um, by policy statute or covenant uh, depiction or distinction on the, on the chart. And you did indicate uh, restricted, unrestricted. But I, I think it's important for us to understand what, where the restrictions come from for various funds. Is it policy or is it mandated by statute? And the reason for that is it gives us the opportunity to look at different funds um, to, uh, for transfer opportunities. So some may be just policy that we've decided as a city we, we keep for certain uses, but others may be you know, state uh, tidelands funds that we really can't use for anything else. So I'm going to request again that that chart be updated to not just say restricted, unrestricted, but to indicate the source of the restriction. And so um, I wanted to highlight sort of a cash management uh, question here. And I don't know if you have something that you could share with us tomorrow night, um, but I do think understanding uh, the cash reserves and the, the funds is important. And as a corollary to that, at our last meeting, um, one of the deficiencies highlighted by the uh, auditor was a reconciliation. 
And so I'm still hoping to understand the COP money sitting in the bank account, the $5 million, and to understand has that been reconciled? Um, when are we going to draw it down? When are we going to call it? Uh, is it available for general fund revenues? Um, how that works? That, that question, um, I don't want to try to answer it right here, right now. I would like to see it in, in writing from a reconciliation standpoint so I understand exactly what's left in that fund, where it came from, and where it's going back to. So that's my macro concern for, for understanding the budget is a cash flow policy. Um, COPs need to be drawn down. The restricted funds need to be identified as restricted by policy or statute so we know the real discretionary uh, cash opinion. And then the third part of that is, uh, this is more of a question, we've talked about the GFOA best practices for cash reserves. Is there a resolution that the city council has signed? And if there is, let's share it with the council so we understand what it says. And if there isn't, I welcome a recommendation that we can sign off on uh, as part of the cash management policy. So that's my macro question. I don't know, Mayor Hoffman, if you have follow up there since that's keying off of a request you had made previously about debt and cash management. No, I think that I think that summarizes it. And specifically, um, you know, the GFOA best practices. So I think that's um, something we probably need to look at um, with regard to the city council. If we already got that, if we already have that resolution, then other councils made it in the past, and that's fine. But um, that's probably something that we need to understand at some point very soon because you know we're going to do it we're doing our midterm now but then we're going to be rolling into our our next um you know our next budget cycle for next fiscal year and so we want to incorporate that as part of our discussion so i'm putting that in bold on my and this this may all exist right i'm just mentioning it now because it could come up tomorrow night mm -hmm. um and i want you know i want uh, our assistant city manager to be sort of uh, aware that it could be discussed tomorrow night. So if you have information about the reconciliation, particularly as to the certificates of participation that you can share with us tomorrow night, that would be really fantastic. Well, on the COP, I thought we already discussed, we, be, we are definitely in the process of doing this, but this is a special project at this point. What we discussed in the past, we the drawdowns that haven't happened for the last five years, once they occur, they will move the money from one bucket to another. But the fund balance, all of this cash is already accounted for the fund balance for the fund uh, 140. So that's the capital general capital fund. So we're already accounting for this. It's not, it's a restricted funds. We cannot use it for any other purposes. It's just the negative cash that is now on accounting side in this fund uh, will be replenished with this drawdowns uh, from the fiscal agent. So we uh, we can when we when we bring you final coffer, so we can I can show you the slide. I believe I had the slide at the uh, at the last uh, council meeting when we talked about treasury reports. So you can see it side by side uh, how uh, how the cash has been used for this fund. The policies, the restrictions in the general fund they're pretty much right here so if you look at so you can see the section operating contingencies this is council's policy 
So that's what we're accounting for in the general fund uh, reserves. You can do, undo, change, modify anything under operating contingency as you see fit. And you may remember last year, we, we added additional uh, reserve for COVID uh, in the amount of two month losses of revenues. And again, we, we, haven't, uh, we haven't changed it this fiscal year. So the 3.4 million undisciplined fund balance is actually counting that we are still keeping this money in reserves. So that's, that's another good news for, for the general fund. Uh, so hold on, so let me ask a clarification on that. So you're saying that the unreconciled certificate of participation funds is in the, which line is that on your- It's not item? here, it's, it's in the capital general fund because all these all this funds are restricted. They're restricted for specific, restricted uh, for uh, parks projects in those funds. Once we draw down on those uh, uh, on those uh, COP and cash reserves, you will see well, in the treasury report you will see this five million going away. But your your fund balance and general capital fund is the only thing that is going to be affected. They are so, not related to the general fund at all. Okay, I'm not seeing that. I, I I'm just trying to follow this on slide eleven. So where is that reflected on slide eleven? Under what's the heading under designation? So the slide 11 is showing it, I, I was trying to answer the second question of uh, Vice Mayor about the council's policies and oh. policies and designation policies, what, what, what is driven by the council. And these are the items that council previously designated as separate bucket in the general fund reserves for this specific purposes. So let's say like, for, for example, COVID, the, uh, if, we were going from the middle scenario to the worst scenario we could tap into this funds and uh, and help with the additional declining revenues but we, we we don't have to do it now because general fund is actually doing uh, pretty much in line with our additional uh, initial scenario okay so slide 11 pertains to the question yeah, about cash flow the cash management question the cash management we, we discussed about uh, creating the policy, which we should do as part of the uh, well, debt service and cash management policies. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we, we definitely need to put this together. But again, after the budget is probably going to be the good timeline for this. Okay, then let me go back to the other question of is there some place, you know, to the I think to the vice mayor's point is, you know, we have some unreconciled funds due to the COP expenditures that are still showing up in funds, making it look like we have a more robust general fund than we actually do. I think, and so now I'm trying to figure out where you would look to, maybe it needs, there needs to be a notation or an asterisk or something saying, this is what's showing us, you know, so it's clear that, that the funds that are showing up are actually less than what they look like. That. I think we are mixing. Well, maybe you're, you're right. Maybe it's, it's it's a good idea to put additional asterisks and explanation in the, in the next treasury report, because we definitely should reconcile the drawdowns. There is no question. I'm not arguing this, and it should have happened uh, as we go with the projects. But since it hasn't happened since 2015-16, well, now 
it's a little bit more <laughs> work than just uh, just do the drawdown. We need to reconcile. We need to look back. We need to reconcile. And we already, uh, already asked, and I think Kristen uh, West already reported to you when we discussed corporate that it's going to be a special project and we, we are actually going to do it pretty soon. But what I'm trying to say, the cash, whether the cash is with fiscal agent or with city checking account, it's still a cash, right? So it sits in different buckets. We will put it in the right bucket, but it translates into the same fund balance schedule. So your fund balance is, go is, uh, is going, the affected fund balance uh, in general capital fund, fund 140. That's what we are reporting. And that our projected fund balance that we reported as part of uh, uh, mid-year budget report is already taking this into account that this COP funds are spent on, on those parks. So, yeah, I got that. So I think um, for me, it would be helpful. And, and I think for other city council members who aren't, don't have the benefit of sitting in our finance committee meetings with all the background that we have, um, it would be helpful for that explanation because it does affect how you're viewing, you know, how you're viewing and assessing where we are, where we're, where we're at with regard to um, our general fund and our other funds. So however, you know, however you want to do that or however it's most accurate, um, I think that would be helpful. Yeah, and Mayor Huffman, I'll just second that. Um, so I think what I'm hearing that we haven't reconciled the COP fund since 2015, 2016. It's a big effort. Um, it requires a special project. Uh, our assistant city manager is aware of it and going to do it. But, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want I don't want to misunderstand this. But it's but that money, that five million, has already been included in the capital fund even though our books don't balance, um, that's very, very confusing. What do you mean? What do you mean the books don't balance? Well, you're including this in the This money is still fund. sitting with the, with the fiscal agent. So this is still city assets. It's not like we're accounting this uh, city assets as part of all the other assets we have. Sure. No, and I fully appreciate that, but it seems like from an accounting standpoint, we're reporting the money in two places at one time. We're showing it right on our treasury report in one place, but in our uh, our budget in the capital fund, and that's just extremely confusing. So, um, I th I think we it would be good if tomorrow night you could tell us the time frame for this COP special project. Explain as the mayor requested how it's being reported on the treasury report and being reported simultaneously uh, in the capital fund. Um, and then to your point on, so that's one thing on the COP and then on this slide, you're reflecting, um, you're reflecting a council policy, but if, if there's an official policy, like we signed a resolution, our past council signed a resolution, that would be great to share with the council. We, we may all just say great, but it'd be good that we see the resolution and or adopt one if we don't have one so that we can be on the same page moving forward. So that would be my, my two recommendations. Just to clarify, because if we're sitting here with you and we have the benefit of really diving in and we're a little bit confused, I, I fear the rest of the council um, may also want to take some time to track this. Does that make sense to others? Yeah, it does to me. I, especially when you're looking at it 
when you're a council member, because I've been in that, this position in the past, where you're the council member sitting up there and you're not on the finance committee meeting and, you, and you're trying to figure out how the numbers aren't balancing. And what, and, or conversely, it looks like that we have more, you know, more in our fund disposable than we actually do. So, um, you know, if we're going to base our decision-making process on what's reflected in the presentation, then it's got to be a little bit, you know, I understand it's complicated and you've done a really great job, Julia, getting this together, but um, for people that, for people that are, are less immersed in this, uh, we're trying to make it simpler, I think, for and clearer for our city council members and the public as well who are watching this. Okay, so um, did you have, so those were your macro, do you have follow-up? Oh, yeah. So on the micro stuff, um, on the revenue, and this is just to clarify, and if you don't know, fine, I just came up as you were going through, um, the sales tax is up, um, which we saw, I think, uh, last time that it was up 6%. I think it's showing 5% here. Um, do you have some type of breakdown that could help our businesses and our policymakers understand? Is that sales tax up because of online sales, yacht sales, grocery sales? Any granularity that you can share would be awesome. Um, and again, you don't have to answer it now, but if you just, if you know you have that and you could share it, that would be great. Oh, I, I believe I included it in the presentation. I mean, in the staff report, it is mostly because of online sales okay. and then even the yacht and boat sales. Great. Okay. That's what I thought. I just didn't want to misstate it. Um, and then expenditures uh, are up, uh, contract services. What exactly? Uh, does that include? Well, those would be all the contract services that you already looked at uh, as part of the consulting services. Got it. And, uh, yeah, that's mostly. Okay. Um, well, maybe we'll circle back to that. So, uh, other revenues down regarding shared services. I think you mentioned quickly something about public works and admin. Can you just cover real quick what that was supposed to be the shared services about? Sure. Uh, well, so as part of the budget balancing strategies, we, uh, we thought it would be a good creative idea to share some of our staff uh, with uh, other agencies. So uh, public works staff, well, well, portion of <laughs> some public works staff was supposed to be shared with the city of Mill Valley and uh, our admin uh, staff was supposed to be shared with the fire district to move to a certain number of hours. And uh, pretty much none of these uh, shared services at this point are in place because one uh, individual, well, two individuals in, in public works department, we just realized quickly that we didn't have a bandwidth to share them with all the amount of work that we have in place here. And uh, one individual that did the uh, uh, did uh, provide some services to the city of Mill Valley is no longer with the city. So mm -hmm. he left and uh, well, obviously the contract is no longer in place. And the same, same for uh, Surge. Surge is now <laughs> back full time. Yay, we're happy for that Surge. Mm -hmm. um, so these revenues, uh, we, we just need to undo what we, what we planned originally okay. in the budget. Yeah, I was just trying to define what that was. It makes total sense. Um, utility budget increase. What is that exactly and and this why? Is water usage and sewer usage. And uh, we originally, as part of the budget, we assumed that we will have a little bit of savings here. Uh, it was it was one of the 
reforms uh, that will submit that to the council as part of the budget uh, balancing strategies. Uh, we assume that we will be uh, bordering medians less than usual. We will generate some savings on the utilities and the city facilities and things like that. But as uh, Dunphy Park uh, got constructed, we, we used quite a bit of water, as you can imagine, watering the grass to make sure that it grows <laughs> properly. And uh, there were some additional hookups uh, that I guess they were not accounted for. So pretty much what we what we are doing by this action, we are restoring the budget to the historic level. Originally, as part of the budget, we cut it, assuming that we will find all the savings. And now we are saying that no, we, we won't be able to find savings. But there is no increase in the budget comparing to the prior years. Okay, got it. I just had never seen that uh, line item. Um, and then you you were explaining the traffic safety uh, fund, and I I think you said something that it was in monies from the parking fund, and I was wondering why that wasn't from Fund 140 um, regarding uh, what is 140 uh, capital improvements. And so maybe if you could just explain how we're paying for traffic safety. It just seemed like, it, I was just surprised it wasn't from 140. It sounds like it's coming from parking. Uh, no, it's a vehicle code violations. So it's some allocation from the vehicle code violations supposed to go to traffic safety, safety fund to pay for repairs of the traffic signals and things like that. So if I drive over the traffic signal and uh, uh, defiance from this uh, will go into this fund. But the problem is we've been uh, budgeting about uh, 30,000 in revenues and we historically we haven't been receiving this every year. So we just need to find a better accounting for this because this fund uh, traditionally, since I started the city two and a half years ago, I've seen this fund having deficit. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, again, I'm gonna go back to really, if we could get that list of funds updated, to say whether it's by policy or statute, I think it would help us all really understand what our options are. Um, and, all right, so my last micro question, and I realize I'm just I'm just curious. You said something about bicycle parking on the um, budgetary reserve fund. I thought we outsourced uh, bicycle parking to a third party, um, and so I was surprised that it was showing up in our reserves. What is showing up in the reserves? I'm sorry. Uh, there was a bicycle parking. Uh, you mentioned bicycle parking, addi uh, additional use of fund balances, bicycle parking under budgetary reserves. Well, I I was talking about reduction in in the revenues that we're receiving from the parking fund. So because of COVID, we clearly have a huge reduction in all the all the revenues. I'm trying to. I'll, I'll dig into that. I won't take more time on that. Okay, thank you. Um, Mayor Hoffman, that's all my questions, really mostly about reconciling the COP, understanding the restricted funds as policy or statute, um, and, and being given the resolution for cash reserve policy were my three asks uh, related to this. Okay, thank you. Um, I don't have any further questions. So um, at this point, I'll open this up to public comment. And Serge, I'm not seeing any hands. Do you see any hands? I'm not seeing anything or hearing anything. So I'm going to close this, uh, close item E1 for public comment. Um, 
and then subject to the conversation we just had uh, with regard to the presentation for tomorrow night, um, we'll move on. Except, let me just say one last thing. Um, other than to thank Yulia for all the hard work on this, uh, there's a lot. I know there's a lot that went into this, so I appreciate that. Um, one tiny thing is, I don't, I don't think all of your slides had slide numbers on them. Oh, <laughs> so, I mean that's just a very small thing, but it's just so much easier. Um, yeah, if you could revise those before the city council meeting so that we can move. It's just so much easier to, to go through the slides. Some of them did, I know, that I took notes, and some didn't, so that's it. Um, okay, so let's move on then to the southern. Our next is E2, which is the Southern Marin um, Fire District Property Tax Transfer, which uh, I think Charlie Francis did an uh, excellent dive into this. And so, Charlie, I see that you're on, so good morning. Good morning, <laughs> everyone. Um, I just found the... Uh, uh, resolution for the GSB 54 side on balances. It was on the June 21st, 2011 city council meeting. So we can follow up with that. Thank you. All right, let's come. What was the date? Sorry, what was the date on that again? June 21st, 2011. Uh, GSB 54 uh, was required to be implemented for all cities with financial statements beginning June 15th, 2010. So <clears throat> it was part of our budget uh, adoption. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Yeah, and fantastic. All right, uh, let's see. Am I sharing my screen? Not yet. No, sorry. Okay, uh, very quickly, fire property taxes. Um, we had a call with the County Finance Director, Roy Given on March 5th. Uh, during that con uh, conversation, uh, you know, Roy confirmed that property taxes are collected by uh, TRAS tax tax. Um, I'm slipping my mind, but it's for like all accumulation of parcels within the city. Uh, a is area, T is tax. I forget what the R is. But they're not distributed by the collections by TRAS. Along came something called assembly bill eight uh, and property taxes are kind of brought into this pot and then assembled by uh, factors determined by AB8. AB8 is not a simple process. There was a, a large manual that was included in your uh, packet today that said demystifying AB8 and as you worked your way through it, there, uh, Marin County put out a smaller like four or five page document that tried to demystify the demystification. But at the end of the day, Roy, uh, gave us a schedule. The schedule was all of the distribution growth percentages for uh, uh, everything. And um, so I took the uh, schedule, I prepared a calculation, I double checked that calculation uh, with Roy and uh, Roy confirmed that that was the amount that would be calculated. And basically we sent to the district $2,667,250 uh, for 1213. And if we apply the AB8 growth factor for the district, this is how much uh, the district has received from within the boundaries of the city of Sausalito. If the annexation had not occurred, uh, that same 2,667,250 would have grown by the Sausalito AB8 growth percentage factor for a total of 30,236,000. So the difference between these two amounts is approximately $30,000 and kind of uh, concludes our discussion. 
on how much property tax was transferred to the to the district. So, any questions? Yeah, Charlie, can you just um, confirm? So, is the rate growing? So, this rate at over six percent. Uh, well, it's varied. Is 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 growing at a rate that's faster than the city budget as a whole, um, which is higher than the rate of inflation over the last five to seven years. Yeah. That's so, concerning, no? <laughs> well, uh, yes and no. Uh, so Prop 13, which is the, back in 1978, was passed in order to protect homeowners, especially homeowners with fixed incomes from you know, property tax growing by assessed valuation and at the same time uh, entities increasing the millage rate. So uh, all homes were almost getting taxed twice, once on their assessed valuation growth, once on government growth. And what Prop 13 said was well, we're going to limit the amount of property tax that can be put on a property by 1%. And then we're going to limit the growth in property tax by the greater of or the lesser of inflation or 2%. So, uh, however, a property is revalued when it's transferred like on a sale. So uh, if a house had, in 1978 was valued at $100,000, it grows by 2% until the time that it's sold. If it's sold at a million dollars, then there's a revaluation. So these, now that's how property tax grows. Now this is, and it grows similar, that's what the ABA growth is, is saying is that uh, the two percent plus property turnover values are increasing by this amount. So, Trey, then putting aside ABA, why wouldn't we just gross up the secured plus unsecured plus uh, HOPTR to calculate the tax? Well, that's not how the state Prop 13 and ABA calculations work. We don't have any control over that. We okay. are distributed what the state is allowed and the county is allowed to distribute based on all of the assembly bills and propositions. Okay, and then in your assessment of the of the tax rate, if the fire, sorry, if the summer fire rate grows faster than the city's total revenue, won't it eventually consume all of the revenue in the city? Oh, no, no, they'll, they'll <laughs> never, they'll never receive. This was a one-time transfer. It came out of the total bucket that the city was receiving, and the two million six seven went over there. And this is the amount that it's growing uh, for the district. It's not a one-time transfer, though. We transfer every year. No, it was a one-time transfer. It was permanently transferred from our property tax to the district. Our property tax, the remaining portion, is growing at this part. So. They, they're never eating into our portion and we're never uh, consuming any of their portion. Both portions are growing based on their ABA factors. But I thought their portion was growing at 6.2% and the city's revenues are not. Well, where did you get the 6.02? Did you take an average of all these? Uh, I think that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they grew the same. Awesome. Okay, thank you. Sorry, something just, yeah. I had, I had to follow up on this, actually. And this is not, yeah, this is beyond what 
what we, um, you know, what we had talked about you doing, but it's, I'm curious about it. Um, so did we ever, uh, have we ever done, you know, gone back and looked at the projections that we made when this, when this, uh, solution was first brought to the city council of, Hey, we think that our, our, our fire department is going to cost us this much over the next, you know, nine years. And then did we ever compare that back to what we're actually seeing here? I mean, I think that's the next step. You've done a really, really great job of uncovering the, uh, you know, going back and, and gathering this information, which I don't believe, I don't believe we've done that, done this before, but it's very interesting um, to sort of highlight the decision that was made back in, you know, 2011. Yeah, at, at, thank you. Yeah, the, the previous, uh, the first finance committee meeting where I went over this, I did a comparison of, of, of where we are today based on our property tax growth and not having any expenses. And then I did a comparison of if we would have kept our own fire department and uh, what would our total property taxes have been basically growing it by these amounts and then comparing it to what, uh, what the increase in expenses would have been, we, we ended up with uh, showing, demonstrating that it was the right thing to do. And I can't remember the exact amount, but it was very substantial. So what, was that this year, Charlie, or was that? Oh yeah, it was like Sorry. two or three meetings ago, yeah. I'm Okay. Okay. All right. Great. So, but now we have the actual numbers. I think those were sort of projected numbers, but now we have something closer. They're very, very similar. Okay. I use a very similar methodology, but I can redo it and bring it back to the next finance committee meeting. I, you know, I don't want to create work, but that was, that was something that I was interested in. Um, why, why don't I just uh, send it out after the meeting to both of, to the whole council and then uh, we can agendaize it if you if there are more questions. That's fine with me, that's fine. Yeah, and Charlie, maybe if you, so again, I'm looking at that slide and from 2013 to today, it looks like it's growing at an average rate of 6.2%. Again, my concern is that the city's budget is not growing at an average rate of 6.2%. How should we sort of intellectually reconcile that or financially reconcile it, I guess? Well, if I, if our revenue growth is faster than our expenditure growth, then that's a good thing. But fire is a percentage of the city's budget grows every year and- No, no, fire is not part of the city's budget. It's part of the district's budget. Well, then maybe, I wonder, so I wonder how we need to reflect that then because it's a, it's a cost, right, to the city, for there's sure. There's no cost to the city. Well, but, uh, so then it's, it's not a cost, then it's a lack of asset, it's a lack of. Right, it's like a weird journal entry, right? Because it, it, it creates the assumption we have no fire expense, but from, that's the city's perspective, but from the resident's perspective, that's not true, because in a different world, that money would be going to the city and then going towards our revenue. So. Okay. How do and, we, in the yeah. same world, a, 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 city, a citizen pays 1% property tax. In return for that 1%, which gets distributed to the city, the district, and school districts, and many other districts, in return for that, they're getting fire services as well as police services. So the question is, you know, if we didn't do this transfer, 
would fire service provided by the city and not the district been more efficient and more effective? So that's the real question. And, 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 and what I'm showing in that previous uh, presentation was that it would have cost us more to provide a lower level of service than it's costing uh, a resident now whose their property tax is going direct to the district and they're getting a higher level of service. What do you rely on for that, Charlie, to show that local fire service would have been more expensive and at a lower That's the calculation I did. I, I, I very conservatively projected the, um, the growth of fire department expenses from what it was in 2012-13 to through 2021 using the city's growth percentages. Not for revenue, but for expenses. And then Charlie, side question off of that. Um, the Southern Fire leases our public safety building for 100K. Yep. Um, I'm gonna assume that's well below market for a building and structure of that quality and size. Um, that does show up on our, well, how does that show up on our books? Should it yes. show up on our, okay. So how do we, how do we adjust for that? And is that something that's worth another look? Oh, have, oh no, the, um, in fact, I just had a discussion about this. Uh, it, it wasn't in the property tax transfer. In other words, uh, we, it wasn't uh, an expense that was included in determining this $2,667,000. It was just uh, more money coming out of the district to us. Uh, typically on these kinds of arrangements, you know, we would have to provide a facility for which they, they're they in, right? I mean, if we had our own fire department, we'd have to have our own facility. Right, of course. I guess I'm just thinking from a resident's perspective of we have these geo bonds, right? The residents pay for this, but then the, and those bonds pay for the public safety building, but the public safety building is being leased at a well below market rate. Is that fair to the residents who are paying, you know, for the geo bonds? That's kind of the logic. Yeah. Well, in my mind, it's more than fair. And the way they structured the geo bonds uh, took into account not only horizontal, but intergenerational equity. Or uh, it took into account this Prop 13 so that a homeowner who's on a fixed income, whose property taxes are only going up by uh, the lesser of 2% or inflation every year, uh, their geo bond portion is also only rising at that rate. So it was a very well-structured issue and well thought out to be fair to citizens. Yeah, sorry, sorry to digress, it just uh, it occurred to me and we had you yeah. here and I knew you would know, so thank you. Okay. Okay, so I see you have more slides. Do you wanna go to uh, your- Well, I'm through with fire. I'm gonna move on to pension. Okay. Unless, unless there's public comment. Um, yeah, let's just take, let's just, um, we'll take, yeah, I think it's easier to take public comment on the separate things. So, okay, we'll open up for public comment right now on the fire district presentation that you just did. I'm not seeing any hands, so I'm gonna close public comment and then we'll move on to pension. Okay, uh, thank you, Mayor, <laughs> Vice Mayor. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, number, number of uh, issues coming up. The agenda today was sort of like there, were, there was a question about assumptions uh, that was put forth at a previous finance committee meeting and I'm gonna delve into that. And then there was some communication from the vice mayor that I wanna answer those specific questions on. And then uh, along in the past few weeks, we've had some discussion 
uh, that I've copied the whole city council on about a hypothetical termination analysis. And I just want to bring this to the finance committee at the same time. So, you know, when we're talking about assumptions, there's many, many types of assumptions. And so I, I just want to clarify what the finance committee uh, really means by assumptions and what they would like me to model. So, and when you're doing an actuarial report, uh, the actuaries make assumptions. They make assumptions on mortality, retirement, when a person will retire, their termination, whether or not the retiree will be on disability retirement or not. And then they make economic assumptions, investment earnings, inflation, and salary growth. So this bullet point comes right from one of the pages that you will see in an actuarial report. Now, that's the assumption side. Then you have the experience side. In other words, if they're assuming a discount rate of 7%, what, were, uh, what are the assumptions? So the area that is most sensitive to uh, our retirement is investment earnings. So what we're seeing here is sort of like, these are our normal costs. This is how much we should be putting aside and are actually mandated by law to put aside into the pension fund based on all those actuarial assumptions. Now, and then the assumptions include that how much we're putting aside is earning a rate of return on investments. And so if the rate of return on investments is meeting all of the expectations, we will always just have a normal cost payment to meet the liability at the end. What happens is that 2008 stock market crashed, very, fell very short of the investment return. And so when that happens, that creates a UAL or unfunded actuarial liability. Uh, and it's these fluctuations that brings volatility into how much the city's pension costs are all the time. It's these fluctuations, Janelle, that said in 2015, when I said our unfunded pension liability was $21 million based on the actuarial report received, and now it's 30 million, is because the market didn't meet the rate of return expectations that the city did. It had nothing to do with the city. The city has to make the contributions required by law. Uh, both the UAL payment and the normal cost payment. Uh, it's totally dependent on mostly on stock market returns, somewhat dependent on how long we live or die, and then to a lesser degree, all those other assumptions. All of those other assumptions are listed in here. If we double click on this, on either one of these, you'll see all of the actuarial assumptions that went into uh, our actuarial report, you know, and that table after table after table. And I know, um, Mayor and Vice Mayor, that when you asked for assumptions, you didn't want all of these tables. So that's why I didn't list them all in the staff report. I just put links in there if you wanted to see them. Oh, I'm sorry. When I clicked on that, it opened up a document. So these are all these tables. So they're available to you, they're in the PowerPoint, you can double click through them and uh, you know, get a chance to review all of those tables, but I know it was something that you didn't wanna see. What I thought you wanted to see are, here are the assumptions that like CalPERS uses. 
to have the GovInvest um, pension uh, analysis tool. So right now the discount rate assumption is at 7%. And, the, and you can see here in the last year, last two years, the actual investment return was only 6.7%. And last year it was only 4.7%. So the question is, is a 5% return the new normal uh, or will we return to 7% for you to help make the policy discussion uh, decisions that um, you're also asking is that how much should we put into the section 115 trust? And so, oh, and so we can say, we can assume our section 115 trust is earning a 5% close to the new normal. And then how much are we putting aside every year? And you know, right now we're putting in 0.25. Now don't concern yourself with these numbers. The model had to be, didn't go back as far as our policy did. So I just had to force the model to bring it to the balance where it is at 2021. But um, so this was shows the chart in the staff report that we would be funded by 2036 under the proposal that we reviewed the finance committee meeting of funding at a $250,000 level uh, through the COVID crisis. Uh, interrupt me with any questions along the way. I don't have to go through this slide by slide. Well, actually, you know, um, I, I get your, I take your point. Well, well taken, right. That we're controlled by CalPERS and investment managers and, you know, we can't dictate the rate of return. I guess maybe the, the question for us to consider is um, we're already falling behind. Um, and you said, you know, is 5% the new, the new normal? Um, well, well, maybe it is. And if we're already falling behind, um, you know, how do, we, how do we address that? But I, I sort of looking for confirmation, are we, are we behind what we thought we would, we, would be, we would have? And it seems like we are. And I'm just looking for confirmation that, that we are. I can't talk to the section 115 side, but on the CalPERS side, every time CalPERS makes a uh, assumption change, we can, what you call, fall behind, right? If they lower the discount rate, which they might do this year, the liability goes up, it's totally out of our control. If they lower the discount rate to 6.75% and the market only returns 5%, the liability goes higher. We fall behind. It's totally out of our control. What is in our control are our options to what are we going to do about it? And so one of those options were to set up a section 115 trust and rather than make additional discretionary payments to CalPERS, when you make a payment to CalPERS, it disappears in what I call actuarial abyss. There's no tracking of it. It just gets thrown in and uh, yeah, your market value of assets will go up, but the unfunded liability is still going all over the place. So because we believe in local control, the city council uh, in 2015 said, let's put additional dis um, I think we just lost Charlie. Losing everybody. Yeah, I think we just oh. lost Charlie. Um, it was frozen for a minute, so I think we just lost him. Um, Let's just take a quick pause.
um, in our meeting then we're gonna we're, we're gonna pause the meeting I'm gonna go stop my video and stop my and Serge just let us know if you can of course yeah sorry just let us know when when we'll give it like five minutes okay Charlie, we lost you for a minute. Yeah, it just turned off and said that. Um, sorry about that. I don't know where you lost me. I was so wound up. Yeah. <laughs> doing great. You were doing great. You were very into it. Um, I think you were at um, pension obligation bonds. Yeah. Well, no, I think we were at one fifteen. Um, the one thing you can do is make additional payments, but. Um, oh. It goes into you know it goes into the abyss of whatever and yeah. so the other thing you can do is um you know you, you can make payments to your section 115. oh okay I oh, think good. Yeah. unless the vice mayor has a different recollection that's kind of where i that's where my notes end and then i have All my right. notes have lost charlie <laughs> yeah so the um so the, the the other option are what's called pension obligation bonds uh or uh lease revenue bonds that are used for pension purposes. And, and what you do is you, you trade hard debt for soft debt. So we could take and say our uh, unfunded liability is 21 million. Uh, we're going to pay it off today by issuing 3% debt uh, and get rid of this 7% debt. It's like, and that makes sense in a world where it acts like a real mortgage. But in effect, this is not like a real mortgage at all. This is like 
having a mortgage on your property and your mortgage keeps going up because your assessed valuation on your house keeps going up. <laughs> You'd never pay it off. Uh, every time CalPERS changes the discount rate, lowers it, this goes up. There's no control over it. So if, if I wanted to take a second mortgage on my house and tell my spouse that I was gonna invest it in the stock market, she would have killed me. <laughs> uh, especially if I threw it into a, an actuarial abyss managed by CalPERS. There is a time to do pension obligation bonds. That would have been last February. Interest rates were low and the stock market was at a low. That's where you uh, do this, what's called an arbitrage play, borrow loan, trying to invest it somewhere else. Now, there is an alternative and it's a pension obligation bond secured by lease revenue bonds. I just uh, recommended this for the city of Tucson. Tucson, Arizona floated a $650 million uh, pension obligation bond secured by uh, leases on their public safety buildings. And they, instead of giving the money to the Arizona Public Safety Retirement System, which whose record is almost, is probably more abysmal than CalPERS, uh, they said put their money, their pension obligation bond into a section 115 trust. In other words, if you're going to do an arbitrage play, then control the arbitrage. And so with having your own local government management strategy that says we're gonna target a 5% rate of return while we're borrowing 3%. Now you have a strategy to get rid of the hard debt or soft debt, replace it with hard debt, and then um, try to get it paid off you know, over this through your section 115 trust fund. We can model scenarios like that for you. Uh, this is a simple model coming out saying, what would happen if CalPERS uh, only had a 5% investment return? What would happen if they had a 6%, a 7% or an 8%? What would our uh, UAL balance go to? And so we have all the tools to do this kind of analysis. It's just um, you know, a, a factor of when do we bring those tools to play and when do we take advantage of them? So, Charlie, for example, we could borrow like a muni bond, which is at, I don't know, 2%, um, and use that money to pay. Well, it's probably closer to three, three and a half, but yeah. Yeah, well, and that's what we talked about when I, on our email about maybe presenting the council with a couple of, of options. Mm -hmm. Like you've discussed a few um, today. I think that would be really helpful to see three or, or four alternatives. Okay, and then, um, so moving on to uh, kind of some of the communications. Uh, one of the questions was, there was a pension increase given in 2001 and 2004. I'm not aware of a pension increase that was given in 2001-4. In fact, during uh, the early 2000, when all cities were giving, or most cities, were giving their employees more benefits, uh, city of Sausalito, said, you know what, we're gonna gross up your pay, but you're gonna pay your own PERS employee contribution going forward. We we're one of the few cities in California that did that. When the recession hit in 2009 and the pension crisis in 2010, the uh, most cities would have, they were negotiating with their employees to do this and we had already been doing it. Uh, 
I'm not aware of any increase in benefits that occurred uh, up until up through today. In fact, we've been taking away benefits. So that's that's the one of the first questions. Um, you can see our benefit options. We were at two and a half at 55 for miscellaneous tier one. Then we went to 2% at 55 for miscellaneous tier two, and then 2% at 62. Each one of these has lower liabilities and lower costs than the previous tier one. Our miscellaneous tier one and our police tier one are completely closed pools. And our fire is an inactive pool. It's just, um, we're just paying, our firefighters are gone, no new liabilities, we just pay off the unfunded liability. Charlie, are the vast majority of our employees in tier one? Uh, yes, uh, there was, I thought I had, I can give you, I mean, the breakout's here, here we go. Uh, no, I didn't include a breakout, but yeah, most of them are in tier one. The and second largest group is in Pepper. And that's a higher cost, that's the highest cost tier one? Yeah. Yeah, we have a mature workforce and, uh, you know, not a whole lot of employee turnover up until recently. And uh, so um, the majority of our employees are in tier one. In terms of the unfunded liability and its growth, um, again, the growth in the unfunded liability fluctuates based on market returns and discount rate assumptions, all the things we've talked about before. And this is the history now. Uh, Janelle, you'd asked for a history going back a lot further than what I'm giving you in this graph. And the reason I can't go further in history is because prior to 2011, Kelpers did not break out how much each individual agency in their pool, what their unfunded liability is. All they reported on was the unfunded liability of the pool. And uh, you could get an approximation of what it was based on payroll, but it it would have been so skewed, there would have been no relevance to today. So to get an idea of what Kelper's unfunded liabilities were prior to 2011, we have to look at this chart, which also puts some you know, perspective to how volatile it is and how sensitive it is to investment rate earnings. And then um, there was also a question on, well, what have been the investment returns for CalPERS? Uh, here's the dot-com crash, here's the Great Recession, and the red line being the uh, assumed rate of return. Coming from like, what, 9% over down here, down to 7% now. 8.75 it was. You know, in 1971, when I graduated college, the discount rate was 3%. If we would have just kept it at 3%, we would have no problem today. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Questions on that? Not for me. Um, so there's a hypothetical termination within every actuarial report. Now remember, we get, um, just back up, we get seven actuarial reports every year three for our miscellaneous, three for our police, and one for the fire. And within each one of those, there's a, uh, a, a hypothetical termination analysis. And in the most recent return actuarial report, 
they gave us two scenarios, a 1.75% and a 3.25%. So $140 million, $98 million, depending on what discount rate would be used at the termination. Uh, and that, so for this graph, this calculation, I just took $120 million. I just kind of split the difference. You know, so if we were going to terminate today, let's just say it would be somewhere in the middle. And, um, and that $107 million then would require an annual payment of $7.7 million uh, to get it paid off over the next 23 years, which is how many years are left on our amortization period. So uh, what our current uh, debt service is 2.6 to $3 million. So you can see that our additional cost would be four, three to $5 million every year, up to $6 million, uh, every year in order to pay off our unfunded liability by terminating. And then you'd have to put in something new, right? You'd have to, I mean, in order to attract employees, you'd have to have some kind of retirement benefit. Let's just say it's a defined contribution plan and I just uh, used an assumption of $1 million a year. Uh, I think it was a percentage of payroll or something. And say that our total cost to exit and implement a new benefit would be $120 million. So making it pretty impossible to exit from Kelpers. So your your net net is the costs are too high to exit, um, but we have no confidence in their future returns. So we have to mitigate the impact through something like a POB or a 115. Or a combination of both. Got it. That is concerning. <laughs> well, we're better off than men. I mean, it's, it, I don't like using a comparison saying that, you know, my couch is better than your couch. <laughs> but um, in the reforms that we took, put us in a better place to address the future than if we hadn't taken. And usually when I'm giving up, you know, any kind of advice for where people should be, would be just start, start doing something. And that's what we did in 2015, and we're a little ahead of the game. So uh, every every year, I you know recommend that city council revisit their policy, revisit these scenarios, and then say, okay, here's we want to continue with the same policy, we want to revise the policy. Uh, here's what we're doing to demonstrate good stewardship over our pension liabilities. Oh, and I and I have to say that staff is always scanning the environment for reforms, opportunities. If there is an opportunity, you know, we'll jump on it, you know, and, and we welcome suggestions uh, and explore the, you know, the alternatives. Because, um, I mean, it is uh, a, a very large cost. One of the reasons why we did this is in putting together a 10-year plan while well, you want to have some control over uh, your revenues and some control over your expenses. And pension costs were the one cost that were, were like being held hostage to actuaries, right? And so, you know, the, the whole reason behind setting up the Section 115 Trust was to set up a pension funding policy uh, to give us some control. 
It, it feels like, Mayor Huffman, that the, the right step forward for us here is to um, kind of give a, a status of where we are to the whole council uh, with some options, including you know, status quo, no change scenario, and then some of the options that uh, Charlie mentioned today. So we have a range to review. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I'm probably going to have some follow up questions, Charlie, and I, okay. uh, I may, you know, ask you to, based on some other assumptions, do some calculations, but I, I think it's going to be all within probably the program that you already have. Okay. And some numbers, because that, that's something that I'm interested in. Um, you know, can we, what do the numbers look like if we pay off a little bit more or if we put more into the pension trust fund, if we have, you know, and are we, are we carrying out what the original thought was, you know, and how we're doing on that uh, of the, of the 115, section 115 fund. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and my concern is always, we've talked about this in the past, right, of the, the compound interest that you have on unfunded liability, just by it being so large, the unfunded liability being so large. And so, I understand it's a moving target, right? <laughs> but, yeah, and it's not real, right? <laughs> right, yeah, it's yeah. making it very difficult to manage. So COVID could wipe out all the baby boomers and the unfunded liability goes away. <laughs> well. I hope that doesn't happen. But <laughs> I have no comment on that. <laughs> well, and I think this is why in some respects that cash management, you know, um, inquiry that we keep asking about is so important because if there are reserves that we haven't contemplated and there's a way to Mayor Hoffman's point to begin to pay down the liability, we would certainly want to explore that. And whether that's a opportunity today or something we can plan for, I'd like to, to have everything reconciled so we know what's on hand. Yeah, and not have, I mean, not have the risk. I mean, I know we're trying to smooth out the risk, but um, you know, to not have it be quite so large, I think is the uh, concern. Um, so, okay. Uh, all right. So do we have any, do you have any further questions on this vice mayor or I'll open this up to public comment? Um, I'm not seeing any raised hands. So George, do you see any? Madam mayor, there are no raised hands at the moment. Okay. Then I'll close public comment on this. Um, so let me go back to our agenda. So I have this, um, this was the last thing on our agenda. Um, and so we, I don't think we want to talk about our next meeting right now because I don't see that Yulia is still on. I don't see that our city mayor. Oh yeah, Yulia is still on. Okay. Sorry, Yulia. I did see you. I see you there. Um, Okay, so I think um, instead of picking, like figuring out when our next date is, we'll just um, we'll just email, do an email poll, and see when we're next available. Is that okay with everybody? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Mayor Hoffman, I don't know if you um, want to address these offline, but I did send you and the Assistant City Manager and our City Manager uh, the action items from last time. Some questions we had had uh, when we reviewed the CAFR. Mm -hmm. They, they are more micro questions, um, but we did ask for follow-up. And I want to clarify on this. I, I did receive this email and you're right. Uh, they're related to CAFRA. We are still working through the document. And actually, in fact, I just wanted to update that we received the final document uh, on Friday. 
so it's in the review right now uh, by well by Syria we, we, we're doing parallel review the auditors and uh, and uh, us are going through review and we did address those questions in the cover because they came up and so we, we included the, all the expenditure related questions in the MDNA per your request so why don't you just uh, vice mayor Kelman do you just want to read those off real quick uh, sure um, you know or may come back and read the um, or, sorry watch the video then um, they'll know that th these these um, five things that we were talking about we'll, we expect them to be addressed in the CAFR so mm -hmm. right and I think I do think it would be helpful if if staff could rather than us trying to find the answers in the <laughs> very long CAFR if staff could help us out with some cliff notes but um so yes, the first question um, was about the Thailand's fund um, what are some other elements to the agreement that can offset liability and what is uh, what is the balance in the fund um, we had a questions around the general government uh, expense line to explain why general government jumped by 25% um, and we wanted a comparison of actuals to what was originally in the budget uh, we want to drill down on all expenditures especially public works and parks and rec we had a conversation around there being a $500,000 increase in parks which uh, I believe was coming from DPW, but there was no corresponding dip in DPW. Number four was an audit around finalizing the memorandum of internal controls. And then number five was what we referenced today, cash flow management. Uh, the mayor had asked for a review of debt and cash management, and the city manager, Marsha, had requested or suggested a master calendar for finance. Okay, so we'll... Um we'll we'll address those again i think at our next finance committee meeting you'll you you think i mean i, I think you're almost done with the cap right well yes, if, we have on the last finishing line yes absolutely okay. <laughs> then we'll adjourn so that you can get back to that um but um so at our next finance committee meeting then then we'll address then we'll take a look at the CAFR um and then have these five we'll talk about these five questions if you can provide us responses before our next finance committee meeting, i mean that's, that's great sure. that'll help us go yep. through a lot faster and I just want to um, confirm a couple of things from action items from today. So Charlie had said he found the resolution on the GASBA practices. So if we could send that to the whole council, that would be great. And then we had made a request to the assistant city manager to uh, illustrate the reconciliation of the COP money and, and the time frame for achieving that, uh, as well as um, what was the other item related to that? Let's see. Uh, well, I just to clarify, I won't be able to reconcile the CRP funds by tomorrow. No, for of sure. course, no, no, no. I'll uh, just uh, advise the council of of the timing on when that will occur. So I'll have it done by next month, whatever okay. it might be, uh, and then to follow up on that request around the the funds. I do think it's important that we understand where the restrictions on the various funds come from. So if that chart can be updated, that would be extremely helpful. Well, that could be a little bit challenging because, well, I just sent the email to our city clerk and see how we can conduct the search in our system. So by tomorrow, it might be a little bit, I'll see what I can do, but uh, it would be probably a lot of research to find specific resolutions and when <laughs> when specific ones were established or what, uh, what, when the restrictions went to place. It's a little bit of a history dive here. So uh, No, that's okay. I understood that. And just get as far as you can get. But I think when we start looking at the budget, uh, our our next round of budget talks, which is going to start, you know, pretty quickly, um, I think it would be great if we could understand that before then, okay. uh, because you know how how that will be part of our decision making process on what we fund and what we don't fund, right? Because we have to understand what's available and what isn't. 
um, and then at some, and then you were also going to somehow um, note in your presentation for tomorrow um, where that COP money, even though it's not it's not reconciled, but kind of just a notation. You know, even though this whatever this line is showing X dollars, you know, keep in mind, you know, notation three point five or whatever the number is going to be, that you know this this is this is unreconciled um, expenditures for you know, the COP, and we expect that to be reconciled within the X number of days, whatever your estimate is, is fine. Can I just uh, share the screen that I shared at the council meeting? So I just want to make sure we're on the same page very quickly. Or do you have like yeah. two minutes? Yeah, yeah of course. Do you see my screen? Yes. Yes, I can see it. So that's what I was trying to show. So look at the fund 140 right here. I don't know if you see my mouse. Mm -hmm. So fund 140, it's showing negative cash. But if you scroll all the way across, you can see the COP is counted against it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was trying to explain. Like even though it's different buckets and well, clearly this money 4.2 on reconciled COPs will have to upset and go into the into and feed into the general fund balance but you when we report you the general fund balance general capital fund balance you can see that is already accounted for so it's a little bit apple and, and oranges kind of question so when we show you the fund balance we already count this in <laughs> because these are restricted funds yeah, so I wish I could report you that we have five million sitting for available for any purposes, but we don't. That's what that's, I'm trying to say. Right. Okay. So that's what we're. That's what. That's exactly what I'm. We're trying to get at, or what I'm trying to get at. So, when we talk about mid-year budget, wherever that's reflected, so you've got it in the treasurer's report, but however it's reported, and wherever it is, it shows up. Yeah, it's going in, into in the attachment for the fund balances for okay. the general capital fund. Then, then put an asterisk there or put a yes. note. Yes. And then. And then right here, you have to give an explanation, right? Like, like a narrative that you just told us, right? Because otherwise, if you're just seeing the numbers, it's not apparent at all. And it's very confusing. So um, anyway, I think that would be really helpful, and it'll it'll help streamline our conversation tomorrow. And it won't it won't appear that there's more, you know, there there's more in certain funds, and there really isn't. Um, so I think that'll be helpful. Is that clear? Do you, is that clear what I'm asking for? Well, yeah, but I still think we have that outstanding question of, so it's one thing to assign the COPs to the capital budget, but it's another to articulate the source of the cash that was actually used to pay the contractors for the work. So I still feel like we're missing a piece around that. Well, we're missing reconciliation. That's that's exactly what we discussed. Yeah, <laughs> we do need to reconcile, and we need to <laughs> we need to account for this, which is uh, again the work is underway right now. But I don't see how we can 
apply an amount to the capital budget if we don't know the reconciliation because we don't know how much is left to apply, right? Wasn't that what the what the auditors called out on the on the CAFR that we didn't have that, so we couldn't balance that? We have we can't balance our checkbook because we don't know how much we spent. No, the auditors uh, reflected that we were late on some reconciliations, but not specific to this particular item. I think it was just a stacking issue that we discussed. Well, anyway, so I'll I'll see. I'll, I'll try to to address the question and uh, and see what I could put you. In. Yeah, as best you can. Yeah. yeah, if you can give us a narrative as best you can, with the caveat of this is this is a, a an explanation without the final reconciliation done. But this is yep. as we're sitting here today. This is what we think. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's good. Anything else? Nope, not from here. Not for me. Okay, thank you, Yulia. Um, good work as always, and uh, look forward to the presentation tomorrow night. Yeah, thank you for the sneak peek. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Good. Bye. Bye. Bye.